Good to see you today. My name is Tanner Turley. I serve as one of the pastors here. And uh, if you're new with us, really grateful you're here. If you're a college student, I know college students are starting to come back. Maybe haven't seen some of you in a while. Welcome back. Uh, maybe haven't seen some of you ever because you're brand new. So welcome here as well to Redemptional Church. Um, and so for all of you that are new with us, we, you're, you're a treasured guest of ours. We don't just say that. Uh, we value every person that comes through our doors um, and comes into the midst of our family because, uh, A, we believe God makes no mistakes and that God wants to do something in every one of our lives. Uh, and number two, we're always looking for, you know, family expansion. You know, it's just like kind of what happens in, in, the, in the world of uh, God and his kingdom. So uh, you, are, you are welcomed here. Um, take a minute, if you would, to uh, fill out that little connect card so we can just drop you an email thanking you for coming uh, sometime this week. Well, uh, if you would open your copy of God's life-giving word to the gospel of Luke, we'll be in chapter 11 today. So if you're using one of the Bibles we provide, it's page 869. 869. And uh, many of you know that uh, this past week, uh, our family, um, actually the week before, sorry, the week before, our family got to get away on a family vacation, all right? So we were down in Orlando, Florida. Uh, thanks to my parents, we were spending most of our week lounging at the pool. Okay, don't be envious, all right? I know it's getting cold around here. But uh, we were lounging at the pool, enjoying ourselves. Uh, thanks to this, you know, generous, you know, gift for Christmas from my parents. You know, we're hanging out with them. We're hanging out with my sister who surprised us. I don't know if you caught that on social media. I was un- not expecting my sister to show up. And I get off the plane down to baggage. And somebody says, what's up, T, in a familiar voice. And so I'm like, what are you doing here? Uh, so that was great. Not only because uh, I love my sister, but because we also spent two days at Disney, the Magic Kingdom, and uh, Marcia and I get exceptionally nauseous when we have to go on, you know, uh, spinny rides or what are those things called, you know, that just spin and spin and spin, and so my sister can handle like Dumbo as well as some of the other rides, so it was really good, uh, but it was great. You know, we got to hang out with Mickey Mouse, and by the way, if you go to Disney World, I'm just going to tell you straight up, all right, and this is like even for, the, even for the adults, okay, even for the ones that are too cool for school, all right, you know what I'm saying? Like, you need to go meet Mickey Mouse, I'm serious, like I was, and I wasn't expect. I was kind of in awe of, of M-I-C-K-E-Y, I mean like he was really amazing what they've done with Mickey Mouse and just how real, like I can only imagine what he felt like to a, a three and a, and a six-year-old and an eight-year-old uh, because wow, I was just kind of like amazed by, by Mickey, but uh, anyway, so it was, a, it, was a, it was a magical week, right, like pun intended, a magical week, like really good, just with the family and, and a lot of fun, uh, but as good as, week as, as, as a week of that was, um, I had a better week the week before that, and I want to tell you about it. Uh, the week before that was the week of, let's see, the 14th, I believe, and, uh, and so it just kind of went down like this, and it was so good because of God's kindness to pursue me and to um, bring some changes that I need in my own life, right? Has you ever had that, you know, work for, for you? I hope so. Um, so. So it all started on Monday night. I was having dinner with some new friends of mine, and uh, they're pretty new to Redemption Hill. And so, you know how it is sometimes, not all the time. Sometimes people want to talk to one of the pastors and uh, have me over for a great meal, enjoying great conversation. And then we get around to three questions that they had specifically about our church. And the first and the most important question they asked me was, what is the role of prayer at Redemption Hill? And so I just, you know, just to be frank, just to be, just to be honest, um, I can count on one hand the number of times someone asked me that question. Now, I don't, know, I don't know what that says about everybody else. I don't know what it says about us. I don't know what it says about me. I don't know what it says about Jerry. But like, it was a, the point is, like, don't, just, that was a great question, right? And I tried to give a very honest answer to that question. So it was very good. It was a great conversation. Um, Tuesday, then Tuesday, uh, I got to take off for what was a planning retreat, a work retreat, okay, and um, I was going to be working on, you know, sermon series for the fall and, and the new year and charting some things out and, and doing some other things that I just needed to devote, you know, three days to really just grinding out some work for 
Redemption Hill. And uh, so I was going to get away to New Hampshire. A friend has a friend who has a place up there. Another, uh, you know, one of our members was going to go with me, kind of like while I was working, he was going to just kind of do a spiritual retreat. But as it turns out, work kind of conflicted, and it was going to be me solo, and so I didn't want to bug my friend for this place. And so I just thought, you know what, since I'm going on my own, I've never been down to Rhode Island, so I'm going to go like south of Providence, just kind of hang out there. And, you know, when I'm not, you know, nose to the grindstone, I'm going to spend some time just kind of taking in Providence and taking in, you know, maybe the coastal area there. Newport's beautiful. I hear I didn't make it to Newport. Three days didn't make it to there. Uh, but I'm, I was waiting to go with my wife. You know what I'm saying? That's the, that was what, that was what was up. Um, so, uh, so, so, so nothing, nothing on the agenda. Okay, thanks for bearing with us hearing the story. Nothing on the agenda, minus work, except for uh, there's this pastor that I met about a year ago or two years ago, and uh, I've been following on Instagram, just you know, kind of you know, taken by a few of posts and some of the things that he's talking about just resonated with me. And so I said, you know, hey, I'll buy this guy's coffee if he'll give me an hour of his time. And uh, so sure, sure enough, he says, hey, Tuesday afternoon works great. How about 1.30? I'm like, I don't even know the schedule. Let's do it, 1.30. And, uh, and, and what was really, if I can be just transparent here, really just kind of a rebuke to me, um, he didn't spend an hour with me. He spent three and a half hours with me. And I say it's a rebuke because I, I just like in, in, the, in the, you know, uh, ambition and the kind of what we want to see happen, like, you know, our pastors work hard, you know. And our calendar is pretty packed, so packed that if I were in his shoes, I probably wouldn't have given him three and a half hours. You know what I'm saying? It's just very generous, very uh, just life-giving conversation, hearing his story and what God has done in his life and the life of their church. And so it ends with us praying together uh, in this like back parking lot, you know, behind this coffee shop. And he just prays for a few minutes for me and Redemption Hill. And I pray for a few minutes for him. And then he asked me this question. And we talk a little bit more. And so as he's going to his car, he says, hey, um, why don't you join our church tomorrow, uh, just a few miles down the road? It just so happens, you know, we've been talking about wanting this God to see God, you know, work in our lives and work in our churches. Like, well, it just so happens that we're praying for that tomorrow at a day of prayer, 12 hours, noon to midnight. We're just going to pray and we're going to have people gathering and then going to different spots to pray and ask God to work in not just our church, but this whole area, right? And um, so that was a pretty, like, man, all this white space, all this margin. It's good to get on a retreat, by the way. Um, so I thought, you know what, I can, I can roll by for a couple of hours, meet their team, meet a few other church members, pray with them, encourage them, be encouraged. And uh, so that's what happened. And um, so this is like 12 to 2.30, and then uh, I actually did get away and get some work done. Thank you very much. Don't, don't, do not fear, all right, you know. Don't, don't fear. Um, got some work done. But then on the schedule, they were, uh, and they are, and we can pray with them, uh, praying for this roller rink um, that they hope to buy one day. So just like a church plant like us, actually a few younger is there in Redemption Hill, about three years old. Uh, they're praying for a permanent meeting space that they can buy and then use for, you know, ministry 24-7. And so I thought, you know, I know how important that can be to a church planter. So I'm thinking, you know what, I'm going to go surprise them at the roller rink and I'm going to pray with them for that building that God would give it to them, you know? And then the realtor showed up at nine o'clock and just, no, that didn't happen. All right. But uh, <laughs> that would have been sweet, man. Come on, Lord, bring that. Uh, it can do it. God can do it. Um, so anyway, so just kind of knowing, just like you ever had these moments with God when you're going up and it's like, you know, I have like these five other things that I kind of plan to get done today, but um, you know, God, you're probably going to tap me on the shoulder again and say, you know what, finish the day out with him in prayer. And so that's exactly, of course, what happened. I go back to their space. I pray with him until, you know, midnight. And, um, and here's the point. Here's the point. Um, by the end of that day, these people on their day of prayer had stopped four times. Stopped four times to pray for me and to pray for you, Redemption Hill Church, and to pray for our city and to pray for Boston and to pray that God would do something amazing in and through us. And so I was really overwhelmed by that. Like, I'm thinking, this is your time, and I'm just kind of coming in to support you, and you're just kind of turning it around. Like, this is what Jesus' people do. They just like turn it around and see how much they can give to someone else. And so 
as I'm looking back on my life, in my recollection, I can never remember a time where I had been prayed for so much in one day. And to my recollection, I can never remember a time where I felt so enriched by the prayers of other people. Just spot on, just what I've been praying about, they started praying about. What I've been thinking about, they started praying for. It was just amazing, the encouragement that came from that time. So much so that I stood up and just told them that at the end, just saying, wow, you know, I'm overwhelmed by this. Like, I kind of understand, but I don't really understand what God has done through you today. But I walked away with three conclusions. Three conclusions I hope you'll consider this morning as we start. One, I would say this. I, I, am, a, I am a man, okay, I'm a person, a man, who prays and who values prayer. But I don't think I can say I'm a praying man. You hear that? I think there's a difference. A, a, a man who values prayer, but not a praying man. Like, not when, when someone looks at me, they're thinking, that guy prays. That guy seeks God. That guy spends so much time with God. I'm convinced he enjoys spending time with God more than he enjoys spending time with his wife and kids. That kind of thing. That kind of praying man. And, and then... And then to take it a step further, I, I, I would have to also say, and I've asked this question, and this was the question that I, that I discussed on Monday night, right? Is I, I know we're a church that prays. I know we're a church that values prayer. But I don't think we're a praying church. Now feel free to disagree. But I think if you were just to ask, like, just when people kind of are in our midst for five or six months, or someone that's familiar with our church, like, what comes to mind about Redemption Hill? I'm assuming that prayer doesn't make the top three to five, and if it does, it's probably not consistent, which may mean that we're really not defined by prayer, characterized by prayer, like we perhaps should be. And so... So I want you to consider that, but also I want you to consider this. I am more convinced than ever, than ever, that God wants to give us more of himself. What else is prayer but seeking more of God? God wants to give us more of himself, and he wants us to give him more of us. So, so I just thought, you know, hey, like this was like planning retreat. I didn't even have my sermon, you know, like text even picked out, you know, before going to this retreat. I assume, you know, just you know, since we're all, since I'm being transparent here, you know what pastors do, like once you've been preaching at a church for six years? when you've got like an opportunity to like re-preach one that 95% of the people didn't hear four years ago and it was like decent, you just make it a little better and preach it again. You know what I'm saying? It's like, that was what I thought I would do. Uh, but, 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 but Luke 11, 1 through 13, one of the most instructive, helpful, powerful, insightful sections in the Bible on prayer And so we're going to spend some time, three major encouragements, but before we even read the first word, two questions for you this morning, for you. To ask of God, God, what do you want for me? This is a personal question for you to, I'm asking it, right? God, what do you want for me? Would you ask this this morning, like right now, would you ask? God, what do you want for me? And God, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? Those are the two questions. God, what do you want for me? What do you want from me? Luke chapter 11. Let's read the first verse. Here we go. Now Jesus was praying. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. 
And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. So the first first encouragement is, is simply this. Seek God in prayer for more of God. Seek God in prayer for more of God. What else is Jesus doing? What else is the heart of Christ revealing in these moments when he's going to the eternal son of God, is going to the eternal God the Father and spending time with him in prayer? And this is like Luke 11 is not a one-off, all right? It's not, it's not a one-off. And keep in mind, if you just had one opportunity to write about someone's life, then you're going to try to load it with pictures and details and, and, and hints at, like, this is really who this person was. So, like, even one mention would tell us a lot about Jesus, that Jesus was a praying man. But please don't miss these four, first four words. Now, Jesus was praying. We see this in chapter 3, after his baptism, when the Spirit descended on him like a dove, he was praying. We know that when he was out in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil, he was seeking God in prayer. There's just like no, like there's no room for doubt in my mind. Even though the text doesn't say like he was praying. Like, are you kidding me? Like Jesus was praying, I'm sure, night and day in those moments seeking God. What about this? When the crowds would gather around him, often wanting more what they could get from him than him himself, you know, like just, It says that he would withdraw. Luke chapter 5 verse 16 says, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. It's like a characteristic statement. This is what Jesus did. This is who he was. Before Jesus selected his 12 closest followers, do you know what he did? In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray and all night He continued in prayer. Before Jesus asked the million-dollar question, who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? He was praying alone. And then the very next section in Luke chapter 9, it says that he went up on the mountain again, on the mountain. He takes Peter, James, and John to pray with him. And his glory is revealed there. Jesus was a man of prayer. Is, is it any wonder, is it any wonder that his disciples went to him to ask him to teach them how to pray? And the madness of it all, the madness of it all to me as I'm trying to process all this is that just as Jesus, the eternal son of God, had this intimate relationship with God the Father, so now we, every single person in this room, like through trusting in Jesus... We can have a real, vibrant, talk to God like you talk to a friend kind of relationship with him. The creator of every star blazing in every galaxy wants to have that kind of staggering relationship with us. And so as we get into this prayer known as the Lord's Prayer, the Disciples' Prayer, we'll call it whatever you will, just like let's understand it and let's go for it, okay? It is a community prayer. It is a prayer that is probably uh, given not just to say verbatim, though we can do that in like 20 seconds, and if our heart is sincere and mean it, then just pray it verbatim. That's totally fine. But it seems that Jesus is saying it multiple times. This is why we have a shorter version in Luke than we do in Matthew, 33% longer in Matthew than in Luke. But it seems that he's giving this to us, his followers, so that we can have a pattern for our prayers. You follow me? So like every line is like a launching point to guide our praying to God, Father, relationship, intimacy. God wants to know us like that. And so rather than teaching line by line and giving a lot of exegetical and expository kind of comments or whatever, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain by actually praying. All right? Just going to pray and kind of what this might look like. And this can happen for two minutes or it can happen for two hours. Father, no one touches you. God, there is no one like you. 
Were there a thousand other gods? No, there's not. Were there a thousand other gods? Your name would be unrivaled above them all. You alone deserve our highest allegiance, our greatest attention, our increasing affection. Help us to see you as the infinitely perfect one. And we pray that all people would see the greatness of your glory. Hallowed be your name, God, your kingdom come. Father, bring heaven to earth. There's so much brokenness in our world in need of healing. God, would you change our neighborhoods, change our workplaces, change our government structures and systems and the brokenness that comes in our schools. God, would you bring your kingdom in our midst? And better than that, God, we want your gracious rule and reign to flood our hearts and the hearts of those around us. God, bring your renewal. God, bring your kingdom here. And Father, while we would rather starve and not pay the bills, if we had to choose between your glory and your kingdom and our physical needs, God, we would want to choose your glory and your kingdom, but God, would you please today, would you put some bread on the table? Would you help us pay the bills? God, would you help my friends, find an apartment. God, would you heal this person's sick mother? God, would you s- save this, this guy who's entwined in all of this addiction? God, would you, would you shine your light into his life and free him from that? More glory for you, God. More renewal, more provision, and, and more transformation because, Father, you know. You know we've blown. We've chosen our own selfish desires. We've trusted in our own wisdom over yours. So God, we need your forgiveness. We need your forgiveness for being so distracted, so caught up in a thousand good things, even like ministry. That we miss you. God, forgive us. And since we don't want to be hypocrites, like, God, the forgiveness that we've received, God, would you help us extend it to other people? And Lord, not only forgive us for our current sins, but God, protect us from our future sins. Lead us not into temptation. Just a couple minutes. And, and I think there's something super instructive here, okay? This pattern tells me, shows me that my prayer are often not weighted in the same way that Jesus weights this prayer. Here's what I mean. Jack Miller and Tim Keller's kind of taken Jack Miller and talked about this a lot. Um, there's a distinction in what these two guys are calling, and now people are talking like me are talking about too, um, maintenance prayer, okay? Maintenance prayer and frontline prayer. So maintenance prayer is just like kind of maintaining what's happening around us, physical needs, temporal needs, okay? Like, and those are super important to God, right? Like God is a God who understands. He walked among us. He was hungry too. He experienced brokenness too, okay? He... So he wants us to come to him with these physical temporal needs, but out of these six requests, I'm seeing one that has to do with that. Give us each day our daily bread. But I'm seeing five, okay, 83%, like that's 17%, do the math, that's generous, I rounded up, okay, 16.66667% is mathematicians, give me some props, right? Maintenance prayer the rest is frontline prayer. Frontline prayer is the advancement of God's kingdom in us and around us. More glory, more kingdom, more renewal, more transformation. And so I don't know about you, but times in my life where I seem to be 
flipping the script, turning the tables on this pattern. And so do not, like, do not hear me say God doesn't want you to pray for your daily bread, for money to pay the bills, for a better job, for your sick, you know, sicknesses. And like, God absolutely cares. Pray all day long about that. But don't neglect these kingdom matters. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Forgive us. Help us to forgive. Lead us not into temptation. Seek God for more of God in prayer. And, and, and then, and so that's like content stuff, right? Like Jesus was praying. We could have ended the sermon of the first four words of the, the passage, right? Like now Jesus was praying. Like let's just go pray. If Jesus did it, if it's good enough for Jesus, good enough for us. But like he's focusing on content, first four verses, and then he shifts gears and he's trying to help the disciples, okay, learn how to have a different attitude in prayer. So it's not like just what they pray, but how they pray. And so the second encouragement for us is seek God with bold persistence for more of God. Bold persistence. And I want to ask you two questions in light of this, okay? Number one, how do you come to God? Like this is an honest question that I want an honest answer. You don't have to like email me. Okay, I just want you to wrestle with it. If you want to share it with me, then I'll know and I'll pray for you this week on how you're coming to God, all right? But like this is for you to ask yourself before God. You can never escape before God, by the way. He's always, he's always there, Thank you, God, for being omnipresent. Thank you. Um, but ask this question. How do you come to God? You see, Jesus creates a story. Jesus was a storyteller. Man, I wish I could tell stories like Jesus. I think it's like one of the weaknesses of my preaching. I'm just not a good storyteller. My dad and my father-in-law, man, they could tell stories with the best of them. Some of my friends, some of you, like you guys can just tell stories for days, man. I like have to like work it all up and think about the details and write it all down. Um, but Jesus was not like that. He was a storyteller, and he told this parable of a friend who had a friend come on a long journey to visit him. And this friend, he wanted to be hospitable to him and give him something to eat. And he had nothing there. And so just like for us to like, wait, I haven't even read the text yet. Let's read it and then I'll explain it. Sorry. Here we go. Getting a little excited this morning, all right? Thank you. And he said to them, teaching them how to pray, not just what to pray, but how to pray, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have set nothing before him. I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within. This friend who's now at midnight had this other friend come to him. He's going to answer, do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. And we have to stop. It's like, Jesus, what are you doing here? Like, this kind of sounds harsh. Um, to understand what Jesus is saying, we have to understand the cultural norms of first century Israel. And so what's happening here is that hospitality was huge in that culture. Much more like someone rings our doorbell and we're like, man, look, can I just go and hide upstairs? Because, I mean, maybe you're not like that. Maybe you're more like Jesus. But I'm just saying sometimes like the doorbell rings, like who is that? Anybody just, yeah, thank you, don't lie. Um, so, so, but hospitality was huge in this culture. People were treated like kings and queens when they came to visit. And so it's not like you open the door and you say, hey, make yourself at home, go get whatever you want out of the fridge or the cabinets, right? Because like number one, that's not super hospitable, okay? But number two, there was no fridge to go to. There, were, there was no cabinet with artificially preserved food. And so it's a little wonder that this guy's like out of bread. And so he goes to his friend. It's like, I need three loaves. Midnight. And we could be kind of hard on this guy who's laying in bed and like, he's being lazy, right? Like he just wants to sleep. Like get away, you know? Like, but we would also need to understand that this man's home more than likely are you ready for this? Consisted of one room. Humble abode. Like some of you college students maybe like have a dorm room that would have been like maybe just a slight bit smaller than this man's house, okay? And so enjoy these days, right? They're awesome. Like treasure these days, great days, dorm room, dorm life, all right? But, um, but, but so for this, this father to get up would have disturbed the whole house. Kids would have been up. Mama would have been up. And if mama ain't happy, huh? 
Ain't nobody, ain't, come on, say it. Ain't nobody have it, right? So like this was a huge problem, so much so that Jesus is like, he's not getting up because he's a friend. He's getting up because of his, we're not Bible thumpers around here. I'm just making a point. Because of his impudence. What is that? Like, could the translators come up with like an easier word to use? There's a reason they chose the word. It's more than just persistence. This word is only used once in the New Testament, and it conveys a sense of boldness, audacity, shamelessly bold. I am going to stay here until I walk away with some bread. Anybody praying like that? Like anybody praying with that kind of boldness? Anybody asking God for just amazing things? Not giving up? Not letting go? Not walking away? The takeaway is obvious for me. I've got to become a man of prayer, a praying man. Not a man who prays. I need to become a man of prayer. I need to pray more frequently. I need to pray with such an attitude that I would say 10 minutes with God is more powerful and satisfying than 10 hours of anything else. And I know that sounds like a platitude, right? Like I know that sounds like all preachers say that stuff because they're trying to motivate people. I'm just saying that's, this is for me, okay? This is for me. This is how I need to live. If, if, if the shoe fits, come on. Let's, I'll share my, my shoes with you. <laughs> I need to pray more alone and with others, more scheduled prayer, more spontaneous prayer. More one-sentence prayers, those are okay. And more hours in prayer. I'm convicted about this. Like, like remember the beginning of the sermon, Jesus? I need to vary my posture when I pray. Standing, sitting, kneeling, like face down, okay? Just look at the word prostrate in the Bible and you'll see that it's there, okay? Like on my face, hands up, hands folded, hands clenched. Eyes closed, eyes opened, especially if you're driving, all right? Just, just saying, all right? I guess I skipped over my second question, how, not just how do you come to God, but how frequently do you come, right? And this is what Jesus is, like it's implied in the, in the parable of the friends, but then it's like ask, seek, knock, make a request, pursue, Don't give up, whatever it takes. And if you ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door will be open to you. And that's not a promise that anything you ask for is going to be answered. That's a promise that as we pray according to, as Jesus taught us and modeled God's will, and you're saying, your kingdom come, your will be done, we can trust that he's going to answer. May not be always like we think, may not be always like we want, but he's a good father. He knows what's best for us. Give me another popsicle. I hear that all the time. Do you think, I mean, like, okay, and so that, that's the takeaway for me but, 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 but you're already wrestling with this right like what's the takeaway for us as a church I pray that we will become a praying church I pray that we will pray like we've never prayed before I pray that when people hang out that hangout time would become prayer time. I know it's uncomfortable. I know it's awkward. I do. If I'm a pastor, and, and sometimes I'm like, man, are they like, if God's like tapping me on the shoulder, like, okay, God, like I'm willing, but are they ready for it? Would this make this awkward? Would this like push them away? You know, like I'm just like, we all live, we're all humans here. What about our groups? Like what about our community groups? Do we just spend 50 minutes to an hour just discussing the word? Like, listen, the word is our life, right? But, but, but what about prayer? Does prayer, does prayer count? I pray 
Isn't this awesome too? We should pray about our prayers. I've been saying I pray intentionally. Like we should pray about our praying. So I'm praying that husbands and wives would pray more together. I'm praying that fathers, mothers, children, teachers and influencers would pray with children, right? That you would stop and pray for your neighbors, pray for your, your coworkers. Maybe pray with them. And here's a novelty, all right? You want to hear one of the novelties of the kingdom of God? Are you ready for this? If you pray with someone, I'll start with praying for them. That's easier. It's hard sometimes, but it's easy. But if we pray for someone and we pray with someone, you know what's going to happen if you're sincere? You're going to start loving that person more. And they're going to start loving you. It's no magic formula. It's just the power of God. It's just more of God. God getting all up in our business. God getting all up in our relationships. I mean, who doesn't want more of God in our relationships? So, so, so it's time to pray. I'm just like... It's time to pray. It's time to prioritize prayer. It's time to become a praying church. I don't think we're a praying church yet, but I think it's time to become a praying church. Today is a new day in my life, and I pray it's a new day in our lives. Our focus for this fall, this is why you received this card. We've been talking about all year invitational life and just challenging like at least once a month. Okay, not a huge ask, but a, a, a pretty important ask. Okay, just like one time a month just to extend a personal meaningful invite to someone in our life into the life of Christ through Redemption Hill. Okay, that could be a Sunday morning. That could be a soccer night. That could be a, a, any kind of serve method. That could be to a community group. Okay, that could be to whatever. Okay, that could be to a couple people praying or watching a game and then, you know, you see all that, like there's flexibility here. But what we've tried to do, and I think we're doing a better job of this time, is just to say, okay, like we're going to bring some focus that might fuel that desire for an invitational life. And, and so for September, check this out. This is, wow, this is, this is so complicated. Um, seek God in prayer like never before. And then uh, Pastor Chastain, help me with this. For a heart for prayer. Because that's what this is about. Like just seeking God, saying, God, make me a praying person. Take a step, all right? Like, you're, you're probably thinking, like, Tanner's, like, went to Rhode Island, and, you know, like, he's a crazy man now, and, like, he's thinking that we're all going to have, like, 24-7 prayer vigils, and I want to go to another church, all right? Like, so that's not what I'm asking for. I'm just saying, like, take a step. In fact, I would say take more than a step. Like, take, take some steps. Like, let's, let's move forward to see God like never before for a heart for prayer. That's September, and then in October, we're going to see God like never before in prayer for story-changing steps, okay, like so, so that God would move us to take steps in our relationship with him and help others take steps in their relationship with him. Whatever that looks like, I don't really care because when we take steps, God changes our story, and we're going to pray for that in October. You can go ahead and start today if you want, all right? So, um, so, so, so what are we doing to make this happen? Just a couple of things. I mean, we all have lives. We all have jobs. We all have families. We all have, like, so we... We just kind of go about our business, and we have personal lives, and God can do that in your personal life, and then God can do that in your relationships, and then groups start next week, and God can do that in your group. But then what we also wanted to do is provide some opportunities for us, like church-wide, to come together to pray. And so I'm just going to ask you to prioritize this. Saturday, September 16th, we're going to have a morning of prayer. 8 a.m. to noon, we're going to meet right out here in the front steps of the Chevalier Theater, and we're going to pray. We're going to start there. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for the Chevalier. We're going to pray for what God's doing here. And then we're going to break up into smaller groups, and we're going to go to different parts of, of Medford, and, and we're going to pray for Medford and the surrounding cities. And So there'll be a, a plan to it. And then we'll meet back here to pray. And then if anyone wants to keep praying or go get lunch or whatever, then you're on your own. But 8 to noon. Anybody, anybody down for that? Okay. I'll see you there. I can't wait. It's the highlight of my life. Here, this is what God's doing in me, all right? Like, I'm excited about preaching the next two weeks. I'm just being frank. I'm more excited to pray on the 16th. It doesn't mean that I'm not excited to preach. I mean, hopefully that's clear. <laughs> hopefully that's clear. And then in October, we're going to, on the 22nd through the 24th, we're going to pray in our groups. So we're going to have a night of prayer 
through our groups where Monday community groups, we have two, they're going to get together to pray, and then Tuesday night groups, either two or four, however we work that out, if we can find a big enough place, like those groups will pray together, and then Wednesday night, two groups again, like those two groups will pray together. And there's one agenda item. Prayer. I mean, you know, we'll talk, we'll greet one another, you know, it's not like 100, 110 minutes, maybe even 120, whatever. Stick around. We always have that rule in our groups, right? Like, I better speed up. Seek God with persistent boldness. And then finally, I love how Jesus was such a, I mean, he was wisdom embodied, right? So like when Jesus teaches, it's just like wisdom flowing out every syllable. That's what's up. And so Jesus gives the content, and then he shows how with this parable, and he says, asking knock. And then it's like he's driving even to a deeper level of confidence. He's saying, look, be persistently bold, but as you're bold, you can have all the confidence in the world to be bold and to pray this kind of prayer because God is a good father. So let me just summarize. So say like read 11 through 13, read it, read it, read it, reread it, pray it. Okay, but, but Jesus says this, like, hey, you, you fathers, any, any fathers out there today? Any imperfect fathers out there today? Thank you, thank you, you're right. We're, we are imperfect. Um, if our children ask us for a banana, we're not putting a, br- a brick on the table, right? This is what Jesus says. It's like if, you're, if your child asks for bread, you're not going to put a, a stone. If he asks for fish, you're not going to put a scorpion. And so God is, a, God is a perfect father. He's not an imperfect father. He's a perfect father. And so because God is a perfect father, God never says, don't bother me. He never turns us away. He wants us to come to him. Listen, I'm convinced. I am so convinced. Someone said the, all of our problems flow from the fact that we don't know God well enough and we don't believe the gospel deeply enough. Okay, so this is related to what I'm about to say. We don't pray because we don't believe God loves us that much. Like we would have... And to maybe nuance that a bit, we don't pray with confidence, complete confidence, because we don't understand how much God loves us. God will go to any length to show you how much He loves you. In fact, He has. God will kick down any wall. God will climb up any mountain. He will leave the 99 to go after you. And he's shown us this in Jesus, right? Jesus didn't just live among us. Jesus died for us. How could we question his love? How? In our right minds, how could we question his love? How could we question that we can now come with confidence to the throne of grace, Hebrews 4.16. We can come with confidence to the throne of grace because it is a throne of grace. Like that song that we wanted to sing twice, grace alone, all of this that we did not deserve. When we were running from God, God came running after us and he adopted us into his family. He made us his children. He changed us to be like his son. He's doing that. And so we can just go. Feeling the fierceness of his love, we can go. Listen to what Octavius Winslow says. So, so good. Um, what, what stinted views, okay, like too short. What unjust conceptions, wrong interpretations have we cherished of God? Simply because we overlook his character as the fountain of living waters. Like Winslow's saying, like, God just pours out and we think he's stingy, so we don't go. We limit the Holy One of Israel. We judge him by our poor, narrow conception of things. We think he's like us. That's what Psalm 50 verse 20 says. We think God's like us, and that's our whole problem. 
Another sermon. We forget that we are coming to an infinite fountain. That the, all of those, that the heavier the demand we make upon God, the more we shall receive. And the more often we come, the more we are welcomed. That we cannot ask too much. We can never ask too much. We can never out-ask God's ability to give. That our sin and his dishonor are that we ask so little. We forget that he is glorified in giving, and the more grace he distributes to his people, the richer revenue of praise he receives in return. Quotes online. So good. Come to him. Come often to him. Don't hold back in what you ask. Don't hold back in your request. Trust that God wants to pour out, that he wants to give, that he wants to show up, that he wants to change you, that he wants to change this broken world that we live in. And listen, in some mysterious way, listen, in some mysterious way, God has chosen to do what he would not otherwise do except by prayer. Whoa. God is sovereign, mysteriously sovereign. Like he's in control of everything. He has this will that is just moving history to his intent. Like nothing is thwarting or stopping that. And yet God has chosen, you caught that, right? God has chosen to work through our prayers to change history. Not a platitude. You can become a history maker by coming by becoming a person of prayer. Like, why else, like, why else will we pray? For, for more of God, yes, and for God. Because like, when you get more of God, he's going to rub off on you. And he's going to change you. And he's going to use you to be an agent of his change wherever you go. Wow. And so we come with confidence because God is a good father. And therefore, therefore, I love G. I got to read 13. It's so good. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give good gifts? No. Will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Jesus wants us to ask for all of these but to ask for the holy spirit the third person of the trinity the forgotten god sometimes like god with us god in present tense like the father and son send the spirit to accomplish their work the spirit is a person we have a relationship with the spirit in fact the spirit just check this out bear with me i'm almost done okay the the, the spirit gives us life in christ we have nothing if we don't have the spirit we have nothing absolutely nothing the spirit causes us to have this new life when we were once spiritually dead now we're spiritually alive like jesus raised from the dead wow and then he empowers us. He gives us everything we need for life and godliness. He is our comforter. He convicts us. He teaches us. He reminds us of the truth. He heals and changes us. He is the one who helps us put off sin like John preached about last week and put on Christ's likeness. He encourages us and builds, encourages us to build one another up through giving us gifts to serve one another. He frees us up where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. He causes every good thing in our life to surface. If you have joy, peace, patience, kindness, wisdom, humility, boldness, thank you very much, Luke 5, 11, 5 through 10. Like if you have boldness, that is a result of the Spirit working in you. So we should ask God for his Holy Spirit to move in us, to change us, to work through us. We'll never be the same. So the two questions, the two questions, God, what do you, what do you want to do for me? Hallowed be your name, kingdom come, daily bread, forgiveness, extending that, holy life, free from temptation, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, not stuttering. Holy Spirit, God, what do you want for us?
And what do you want from us? God wants more from, for us. And God wants more from us. And so, Redemption Hill, would you, take, like, would you take this journey with me? It's just a new start. It's a new day. I'm just not trying to be too mystical, not trying to be too, I'm definitely not trying to be too, too dramatic. This is sincere. Would you, would you, could we journey together to go after God, seek more of God like never before, giving him all of us that we might have all of we're going to pray. Our team's going to come forward. We're going to partake of the Lord's Supper because Jesus gives us this meal to remind us that we partake of him. We, we take him in. His broken body, his shed blood. If you're in Christ, then please partake of this today. If you're not yet in Christ, you don't have this relationship as a child of God with the Father, then receive Jesus today. Like Receive God the Father and God the Holy Spirit today. And if you receive him today and you're sincere, come on down. I hope that's all right. Let's pray. Father, only you, only you can make these words in this time more than ramblings from some pastor on September 3rd. God, we're amazed that you've made yourself known to us. You've pursued us. That you've invited us into a relationship like we could never dream. We could have never made it up. And so, God, I'm just praying. I'm just praying that. I'm praying for me. I'm praying for every person in this room. I'm praying for every person who is Labor Day weekend and they're gone and they're going to hear this sermon online. Some of them, I'm going to beat them over the head until they listen to it. Praise God. Um, God, just that, that, that you would work in our lives. That you would make these words of life and that we would be changed by your spirit to become praying people, to become a praying church. Lord, you have not hold, held back from us, God, so may we not hold back from you. As we come even now to be, remember the sacrifice of Christ, may we be grateful, may we celebrate, may we be in awe that you died for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping us to see Jesus as the crucified and risen one, the life giver, the life changer. So God, would you change us and move us out, move us out to be worshipers of you.